No Meat Athlete Radio is brought to you by Aloha Protein Powder. Get through the cold winter months with a rush of pure, energizing, plant-based protein. Try our favorite, the Vanilla Blend, for 18 grams of protein built with the very best ingredients. Enter Aloha20 at aloha.com to get 20% off orders of $50 or more through February 2016. Hi, this is Hope. This is Kareem. Hi, this is Katie from Washington, D.C., and you're listening to No Meat Athlete Radio. Hey everyone, welcome to No Meat Athlete Radio episode 129. I'm Matt Frazier, joined by Doug Hay, and today we're talking environment. Yeah, this is just by my cup of tea. This is like your your dream situation, right? This is like the <laughs> best day you can imagine. I think it might be my favorite episode ever. <laughs> yeah, so uh, we, are, we are interviewing Kip Anderson and Keegan Kuhn, who are, I think, the co-directors, I hope I'm not messing that up, uh, of... Cowspiracy, which the runaway success documentary that uh, Leonardo DiCaprio became the executive producer on, uh, and I believe he's the one who was kind of instrumental in getting it onto Netflix. I could be mistaken about that as well, uh, but I know he's been a huge part. Now his name appears in the in the opening credits of the film, and that's apparently in the film world that's that's a big deal to get to get an actor to become executive producer and put their name on something, uh, particularly when it's when it's about a topic that uh, is is controversial and pretty niche. And the idea that that uh, by by stopping consuming animals and animal products, uh, we could we could at least reverse the direction that uh, a lot of the the planet is heading as far as the environment goes. Yeah. So um, what what was especially exciting about this interview is that we had our environmental correspondent Doug Hay on the interview <laughs> with us. Uh, j- just in case anyone was thinking that I was that I was doing a bit and kind of making up the idea that I don't know anything about the environment. Um, now you have proof that that I truly do not, because I I asked Doug to to come on and and be kind of be there for me, just to, just in case I just to prevent me from embarrassing myself in talking about the environment. Yeah, you know you uh you you tend to look like uh, an idiot when you talk about the environment, so I was glad there to be there to help out. <laughs> right. Well, I'm okay with that. Uh, it it has never been for some reason never been my. My motivating factor with uh, with this diet or with really anything, uh, I'm I don't deny that there's probably something very wrong with with the way that uh, the environment is being treated. And when I wrote my book, I actually did a small amount of research on the impact of uh, animal agriculture on the environment. Ma- mainly, what I looked at was uh, the UN report "Livestock's Long Shadow." So I did read that, put some of the some of the citations there in my book because I, ha- I had a basic familiarity with it. Uh, I guess my thing is it, it, with it is like. I, I read these statistics, and you can just read one after another after another of how terrible animal agriculture is for the environment. I mean, like as far as water, methane gases, energy, it's just it's just ridiculous. Like how much the cost is. So I would just see stat after stat after stat, and I just kind of I guess got numb to it. And I was like, uh, you know, they all mean the same thing to me that that <laughs> <laughs> that eat vegan and uh, and you'll be doing much better than almost anyone else for the environment. Uh, including some say those who give up their cars. Yeah. Some, some would argue that that just eating a plant based diet is is better than, or at least reduces your carbon footprint more uh, than more than giving up your car would. Yeah, which you know I think is one of the big driving factors behind cowspiracy. It was that that it does have such a negative impact on the environment, but no one's talking about it. That no one that there are these stats and these reports out there, but no one is really paying them any attention. 
Yeah, and that's that's really what we do focus on in the interview uh, because that that is what you're you're right. That's what conspiracy conspiracy isn't just about convincing the viewer that animal agriculture is really bad for the environment. Uh, it's it's convincing the viewer that that there's a conspiracy going on, right? That I mean that something's up because right. not only is it very clear that all this stuff's happening, but what what you see in the movie over and over is them them going into talking to these big wigs of these different agencies and different. Uh, Whatever they would would be called, environmental groups, and there's just this this denial uh, or or that or burying your head in the sand. I don't know what it is that that uh, that, that that has anything to do with it, right? I mean, it's just not a priority for almost all of them. Yeah, exactly. So, uh, we should also mention they have a book out called "The Sustainability Secret," which really was the the impetus for this interview happening. Uh, so I don't want to neglect that. It's a companion to the book or a companion to the to the documentary. Uh, just has lots more facts, figures, charts, graphs, things like that, um, as well as some some other stuff that's that's not in the movie. Uh, some how to kind of stuff as far as getting started with a plant based diet. So um, just wanted to mention that because that that is the reason for the interview. Uh, of course, cowspiracy is is the bigger story with the success that that's had. So anyway, it was an honor to uh, have Kip and Keegan on, and this was a fun interview. And I uh, hope everyone enjoys it. Absolutely. Hey everyone, Matt and Doug here with Keegan Kuhn and Kip Anderson, who are the co-directors of the super popular film Cowspiracy, which you can watch on Netflix, among other places. Guys, thank you for your time and for, for joining us today. Thank you for having us on. Yeah, thanks so much. Sure. Uh, this is I think this is an important topic. It's one that we haven't really covered all that much, given that we talk a lot about nutrition and running and things like that. Uh, obviously, the, the benefits of, of a plant-based diet... Uh, are more than just our personal health, and they go to animals and the environment. Uh, but it's good to have you guys on here so that we can kind of talk about something a little bit different today. So can we just start out with kind of a background, just because I'm guessing our listeners, I mean, I'm sure many of them know of the film, but I would imagine that a good handful don't know anything about it. So can you kind of give us the just the backstory where it came from? Uh, yes, this is Kip here. Essentially, it follows my journey that happened a few years ago that follows me finding out the true cause of environmental destruction where I where I used to think I was doing everything I could to help the environment you know take short showers ride my bike everywhere do all these things that our environmental groups and that you hear all over and our government tells you to do um and then to find out this was just a drop in the pan of what's really going on of what your diet how your diet affects how my diet affects the environment so once I found out the, uh, from a UN UN study that greenhouse there's more greenhouse gases caused from animal agriculture raising animals for food than all transportation put together combined. That's when it really started the journey of finding out all sorts of facts about how much this industry takes in water consumption, um, the, the the effects of the rainforest greatest cause of rainforest destruction, water pollution, ocean dead zones, species extinction, wildlife uh, destruction, the list goes on and on. And then it explores why these organizations like Greenpeace and Sierra Club, why they are not talking about it. And that's where kind of the fun journey begins of, of you know, some interesting interviews and, and some more uh, deep research on the whole subject. Yeah, yeah. Doug, this is Doug here. And that's one, one of the things that I loved so much about this film was that it wasn't just another film with a, a vegan who had some, you know, animal rights agenda and was putting all the, you know, tragic images in your face, but that it was more of your exploration of understanding the problems and the complexities of the meat industry. Um, you know, when was it 
during the film that it became clear that you had to, if you wanted to really be the environmentalist that you wanted to be, that you had to go vegan and you had to go in that direction? Well, it's as fun as when it follows the journey is really how it went down of, you know, seeing, can I do this? Can, how about organic meat? How about grass fed? How about um, free range? How about, you know, eventually goes to backyard farming? So it's just really seeing if you can find a way to slip in to call yourself an environmentalist and live ethically to your, you know, your, your moral values, let alone ethics on a personal level of animal, animal cruelty and killing animals. Um, just on a sustainability level, is there any possible way to do it? And then, you know, for me personally, it combined, you know, definitely on a personal level, we don't go too much into it in the film with the ethics of killing and eating an animal, which plays a part in the film. That's when it's just absolutely clear to me that, you know, I just don't really want any part in this. So why then, I mean, why, it, when you put it in the film, it, it seems so clear to everybody watching, I would imagine, that that like this is the answer that that it, that so much of it has to do with environmental or, or with agriculture and that like if we want to make change then then there's the the low hanging fruit for lack of a better term so why though i mean why does nobody know why why do the people i mean are the, is everyone just blind to this intentionally the people the at the heads of these organizations like do you think do they know about it and for some reason they want to avoid it or is it that that they haven't even really consider this because of the information that they're getting from who knows governments or wherever else yeah you know something that we explore in the film for sure that you know a lot of these environmental organizations and it differs from group to group some of them it's so clear that they know what's going on they have read the information they've spread the studies they know that animal agriculture is a primary driver of climate change it's a leading cause of water consumption water pollution you know everything that kip listed um but they're choosing not to talk about it some organizations, they seemed completely ignorant and they had no idea how destructive this industry was. Um, and others knew it and were purposely avoiding it. And it could be the fact that they get money from these uh, industries. could be the fact that they're afraid of scaring off donors by talking about lifestyle changes. Um, the fact that you know many of these people themselves eat animal products uh, or their board members do. And then there's also the possibility that they're afraid of repercussions from this industry and the government. You know, in the United States, we have laws like the Animal Enterprise Terrorism Act that says it's illegal to disrupt the business of an, an animal enterprise, which is just crazy. Um, and then, you know, there's precedented lawsuits like the lawsuits against Howard Lyman and Oprah Winfrey uh, by a group of Texas cattlemen who sued them for speaking bad about the beef industry on the Oprah Winfrey show in the 90s. Uh, so there's a lot of different aspects of it. And that's, again, something that we explore in Cowspiracy. Did you get, I mean, I got the sense watching it that some of the people, like, were almost, it was almost like it wasn't a shock to them when you presented this stat. And I do want to get you guys to give us a few of the, the really mind-blowing stats out there, because I think so many people hear a bunch of them, and we hear stats all the time, and it's kind of easy to, to just have them go in one ear, not the other. But um, I'll save that for a minute. Um, I got the sense from a lot of people that they they weren't shocked to hear this. Like, one guy was sort of smirking and smiling, it seemed. It was almost like what was going through their heads was, okay, here, here's another like animal lover who, who just wants to make this a priority um, when, when, in fact, maybe it's other stuff. D did you have that? Did you struggle with that or deal with that? Um, you know, just, just I guess the, the reputation that maybe vegetarians and vegans have of wanting to put animals before everything else. Did you feel like that was, was an obstacle that people would say, well, here comes another animal, animal lover, so we're just going to not deal with that seriously? Uh, not even necessarily that. It's more that they realized we definitely wanted to talk about the impacts of animal agriculture raising animals for food and why are they not talking about it. 
um, whether you know we were true environmentalists or we're animal lovers, they didn't. They were smirking because they knew they knew that we knew that they knew what the truth was. Especially when you look at Rainforest Action Network, she that was the most frustrating interview because the whole time she's smirking because she knows exactly what we're essentially looking for, which is the truth, and she's doing political jargon of how to how to speak around a question. And she's just like laughing at us, like, I know what you want, but I'm not going to give it to you because we don't, <laughs> we're not doing what we're supposed to be doing, but I'm not going to admit this. And then you get somewhat similar things to that you see in, let's say, what Sierra Club kind of did the same and a few others. So it's more, not that, oh, here's some animal lovers, it's more that we know that you know that we are not doing <laughs> doing our job, and but we're not going to tell it to you. It's almost like a little cat and mouse game of, of interviewing, and it's very frustrating. Yeah. And you know, the thing, though, is that because people might say that, like, oh, you guys just care about animals or people who, you know, animal rights people are talking about environmental issues. But it's it's not like this is a secondary issue. It's not like it's a, only, a, you know, a tiny percent of environmental destruction comes from animal agriculture. This is a primary driver. I mean, literally, you look at any sort of environmental ill facing the planet today, animal agriculture is at the forefront, whether it's, you know, human-induced climate change, water consumption, you know, just water consumption in the United States. 55% of all water consumed is for animal agriculture versus 5% for domestic use. Leading cause of water pollution, I mean, the leading cause of deforestation, you know, 91% of Amazon destruction is for grazing animals, uh, in Brazilian Amazon at least, 91% 91% is for raising animals for food. And so it's not like this is a secondary issue. This is a primary focus. And then you look at the environmental organizations, they're going to talk about palm oil production, or they're going to talk about timber, or they're going to talk about you know paper and pulp, and totally ignore the absolute leading driver of rainforest destruction, which is animal agriculture. Yeah. So, so aside from the big organizations, you know, you're talking about how this is one of the biggest problems for the environment. You know, why aren't more individual environmentalists you know, focused on this issue. It seems like public transportation and, you know, recycling and waste, you know, material waste, that's what gets most environmentalists excited, right? And that's what they want to talk about. Why aren't they talking about this food issue? Well, again, part of it is, is well, A, that they're contributing to it too. So, you know, if you if you get past that part that they're actually – you know, eating meat and dairy. I mean, that's a huge issue. Uh, but to say they're not, uh, for example, some of these board members, again, go back to, I think her name's Lindsay from Rainforest Action Network. I believe she's vegetarian. But the greater cause for them is how is the stability and the sustainability of their own organization and more concern over profit over planet. And so what they're really concerned with and they like is wins. You know, it makes it makes you feel good when you do something and you see d- direct, immediate results from it. And when they say, oh, you know, to tell people that eating meat and dairy is the leading cause of all these environmental destruction, um, that's not going to do anything. You know, that's not going to do anything. I'm, we're not going to see immediate results. We're not going to see donors come and give us money for that. So why should we tell them? And that's all we ask these people at the end, you know, and, and to this day, we're not asking these organizations to tell people what to do. Just, just, show the truth, show the information and let people decide. And that's what people love about Cowspiracy is all we did is show the information and the truth. We're not telling anyone what to do. So going back to your question, I feel they just don't feel it's a win campaign and they want they want to address things that are a little more abstract like some dam 
um, or you know, coal. When you say no, say no to oil. Say no to coal. Like, what does that really mean? It's more abstract. But when you can say something you directly do three times a day, whoa, that's that's a little too personal. That's a little, almost a little too powerful. And they would stay away from. Yeah, and to you know, I think a reason why a lot of individuals, uh, environmentalists, don't uh, adopt this lifestyle is because they simply don't know. They're looking to the large environmental organizations for advice, mm. and so they follow what they say. You know, change to compact fluorescent light bulbs, and turn the water off when you brush your teeth, and ride your bike instead of driving. But if these organizations did say, "Hey, you know, reduce or eliminate animal consumption," I think we would see a lot more environmentalist, individual environmentalists, changing their lifestyles. Do you think that this is a a harder thing, kind of a non-starter for a lot of people because it is such a drastic environmental, or I'm sorry, lifestyle change, you know, much harder uh, yes, than taking yeah, the bus. But as, you know, as, as, as you know, and as we know, you know, I remember the first time I learned how to do email, I was blown away like, oh my gosh, this is way too much. Or the, the first time you do anything, like, wow, this is so big. And then you do it and you're like, wow, this is so easy. <laughs> right. And then, it's, you know, going plant-based, obviously, when I did it, I was one of those people. I couldn't even go vegan for one day. I was so hardcore addicted to cheese in particular because I was like pesco, avo, lactarian. Um, Three times a day, literally three times a day. Couldn't even do one day and I said never, never, never. And when I decided to go vegan, I did it for ethics and the environment and not for my health at all because I thought – this was many years ago. I really thought I was going to get sick because that's what I was told. Um, and I think a lot of people think that, and then lo and behold, 30 days later, not only did I not die, I felt better than I have ever felt, you know, you know literally right. you know, one in my whole life. It's interesting about the, the question about, about this being a big change. Cause I, I guess, I mean, it sounds like you guys are saying, I mean, and the message is clear. And by the way, there is the book, the sustainability secret, which is a companion to the movie. And we haven't mentioned that yet, but did in the introduction. Um, but you know, you talk there the message is is go vegan like that's that's the way we can do this but what about the smaller steps cuz Doug just said like it's a massive lifestyle change to to go vegan and i mean of course we'd like to see everybody do that but when he's you know to me like even before i was vegetarian or vegan um you gave the example of a of a quarter pound burger taking 650 gallons of water to produce if i'm not remembering that incorrectly um you know, to me, it's harder to take the bus than it than it would be to to skip one burger and eat you know pasta with red sauce on it instead. Um, I mean, what do you think about like the just incremental small changes instead of someone saying I'm going all the way? Yeah, you know, it's 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 an interesting thing, and some organizations will actually advocate for, for example, you know, meatless Mondays, and that's that's great. Um, but you know, the truth is that we aren't on a timeline that allows for that. We, as mm. Dr. Openlander says, who's one of the experts in the film. You know, everyone's talking about baby steps, but we're big people and we're capable of making big people steps. Um, And this kind of hand-holding, we've got to, you know, take these little steps, that works if we had the time to do it, but we don't. What we really need is large, radical change if we want to stop the environmental destruction that's happening. Um, But as you said, yeah, not eating one burger is a lot easier than skipping six months of showering or two months of showering. Um, you know, not eating animal products is so much easier than living without electricity. I mean, these these are really actually very simple changes when we talk about the large implications they have for the environment. And simply no other lifestyle choice that we make will have the same sort of impacts that changing our diets will. And I feel like the the one 
big step, kind of baby step, but it's a big step is at least maybe before you go vegan, go vegetarian. Cause I have quite a few friends now that never was, would think about it before, but now with the movie and, you know, just, um, all the information coming out on health as well, they're taking that first step. And then I've had a few friends, you know, they did it for two months, vegetarian, and then now they're doing vegan. So I think that's the, the, the one step, but you know, it's so similar to smoking cigarettes, you know, you can smoke cigarettes six times a day and then or six times a week. And then that one day you don't rather than, you know, the only people I know have quit, you just go cold tofurkey <laughs> and you just quit all at once. And you're completely liberated from this just destructive industry on all levels, like health, Spiritual, spiritually, uh, environmentally, you know, the list goes on and on. So it's just nice to take a big adult step, clean break from it all. <laughs> yeah, we talk a lot about habit change and, and what is the best way to, uh, you know, to make change. And specifically, go vegan is all, often our example. And uh, a lot of different views on that. I, I really do tend to like the small step approach, but I, I totally get what you guys are saying about that, that we just don't have that kind of time. Um, speaking of baby steps, one that's maybe even even a babier or more of a baby step than than what we've mentioned going going meatless uh, one day a week or one meal a week or even um, is is the idea of using or, or eating only grass fed beef or or you know similarly humanely raised or or otherwise uh, more naturally raised animals than factory farming. One of the in, most interesting parts of the film for me was that that you kind of blew the the cover off of that idea and and decided through some calculations that that actually grass-fed beef is less sustainable than factory farmed beef. Can you talk about just kind of how you arrived at that? Yeah, you know, that's one of those things that if you look to the large environmental organizations, they'll actually advocate for eating grass-fed beef. And that's a lot of people think, oh, well, I'm helping the planet by eating grass-fed beef, when it's actually the farthest thing from the truth. Raising animals on their natural food, um, so for cows is grass, takes 10 to 100 times more land than if you feed them grain. It takes vastly more water. Um, and since it takes more land too, it means you have to clear the land of its native forest, which naturally sequester carbon, you know, at a rate of, you know, two to 10 times that of grasslands. So you're losing this ability for the atmosphere to take carbon out of the atmosphere or the ability of an ecosystem to take carbon out of the atmosphere. Um, the animals live longer, which is another issue. And then they interfere with wildlife. You know, the leading the reason why we have wolves are being pushed to the brink of extinction again is because of ranchers. The reason why, you know, we have these, you know, large herds of bison that are being, you know, slaughtered in Wyoming is because they come onto ranchers' land. And this is grass-fed beef, you know, so our interference with wildlife is that much bigger if we're supporting grass-fed industry. Um, and then wild horses as well. You know, there's more wild horses in uh, federal holding facilities than there are free on the range. And the reason for that is that the Wild horses compete with cattle on public lands. It's, again, grass-fed, open-range uh, cattle operations. And so the ranchers put pressure on the U.S. government to round up these animals and then, in the case of non-horses, kill them. Um, and so that's, you know, those are just a few of the things. There's, there's this big notion right now that, in, promoted by Alan Savory, that you can actually reverse climate change with raising cattle, which is just totally ridiculous because we have – Cows produce 150 gallons of methane per day. This is a gas that's 86 times more destructive than CO2 on a 20-year time frame. And then you think that they're going to sequester carbon in the atmosphere more than they're actually even producing is ludicrous. The only way we're going to stop climate change is to have trees. Uh, Grass-fed beef, again, removes more trees than grain-fed. Yeah, that's uh, that's really interesting. So many people, you know, I, I just hear that so many times from someone who who has gone paleo, like a friend of mine or something who's gone paleo, um, 
or is committed to eating healthier, so to speak, by eating more grass-fed stuff. So it's just it's really strange to to think that maybe that's actually worse than this thing that uh, that we've all thought that that everybody's against, which is factory farming. All right, so let's take a minute here uh, to thank a sponsor really quick, and then we'll be back with just a few more questions for Keegan and Kip. This episode is brought to you by Aloha. The cold winter months have arrived. Keep them outpaced with 18 energizing, muscle-building grams of plant-based protein. Aloha Protein Powder is filled with the very best whole food ingredients like organic peas, hemp, and pumpkin seeds that keep you going all season long. And one thing that makes Aloha Powder so special is that they're sweetened with natural ingredients like apple juice instead of artificial sweeteners. For an extra boost of whole food, whole body, healthy energy, add Aloha Daily Good Greens to the mix. Just choose one of their three delicious blends. They have chocolate, berry, or original, and pour it into your favorite water, juice, smoothie, or dressing. You'll get a full serving of fruit and veggie goodness for natural energy. Visit aloha.com and enter promo code ALOHA20 to get 20% off orders of $50 or more through February 29th, 2016. So I imagine that this was pretty well received by the vegan community. Um, What about the general public? What about people who maybe don't know anything about this? You know, how how are people reacting to the movie and the Uh, That's... That's what was surprising, yet not so much because the whole goal of when we're edit- editing this and creating it is to appeal to the mass um, audience. And that's why I feel it's working really, really well because, again, you follow my journey. It's, it's essentially it looks like I'm looking for a way like any normal person trying to eat meat. How can I sustainably do this? You know, um, So it really follows the journey of knowing nothing to at the end finding something and finding this all out. And the results have been incredible. I mean, we get so many emails and, you know, when we travel all around, around it's always like my dad or my, it's, it's what's funny is a lot of times my dad or, or my mom or my brother, or my sister would never dreamed in a million years. It was all, it's always those kind of stories. <laughs> so it's really hitting a, a mainstream, mainstream crowd, and especially going on Netflix, being associated with Leonardo DiCaprio as the executive producer on our Netflix. You know, I think feeling his name alone associated with it. Uh, lends it to a whole audience of of opening up and, and receiving the message. So, I, as I was watching the movie, I, I at the end was kind of thinking like, okay, so so what's what's next? Like, what what do we do? What can people who who are on board with this message? Uh, and I was thinking more people who are already kind of have have bought in and already are eating vegan uh, or something close to it. And it was kind of like, what what can we do next? And one of the things that popped into my head was. For whatever reason, the environment has never been like the big motivator for me. It's been much more about health and then about just animal welfare. Um, is that like the, the way to go to change people? Like let, let's not even try to convince people that they should do this for the environment or even for animals, but that, that we should talk about the, people's personal health. Like is that the way to create a bunch of new vegans in the world? You know, I think that each person is going to be respond to the information differently. And so some people are going to be really moved by the animal ethics argument that, you know, we shouldn't kill animals for food. Some people are going to be really moved by the health arguments, which are obviously super strong. Um, and others are going to be moved by the environmental issues. So I think they're all absolutely needed because they're going to speak to different people. On the health side, though, we feel that's a, a huge, important aspect. Um, people are can often be really self-motivated. And so we actually... You know, just announced that we have a new film coming out, kind of the follow-up to Cowspiracy called What the Health, and it explores the impacts of eating uh, highly processed animal foods has on our personal health and the larger community's health. And when uh, any details about when when that will be 
ready or, or out available to be seen? Uh, yes, we just announced it just a week ago, and it's we're doing the Indiegogo campaign right now. It's called What the Health, and we are in the process literally all day, every day, editing the film, and it looks like we're probably three to four months away, um, realistically, and then how distribution will occur from them, we don't know, um, but it's very close, like three to four months away. Very cool. Good. I'm glad to hear that. Um, and one more thing, we haven't really talked about the book much in this interview, although I think that was sort of the... Uh, the impetus for for this interview happening. Um, can you guys talk about that a little bit? I mean, it's called The Sustainability Secret, Rethinking Our Diet to Transform the World, uh, inspired by the documentary Cowspiracy. What's what's the difference? Who's the book for? And uh, and why should people read it? Well, it's really cool because it's for anyone who loves Cowspiracy. Um, it's, it takes it one step further. It's a lot of things when we're editing Cowspiracy, there's only 90 minutes we want to narrow it down to. And I tell you, it's like that 80-20-20-80 rule to, to try to narrow it down from two and a half hours to one and a half, it was impossible. And then we, we realized, well, we can make a book and include all this information we want in the book. So uh, that's a big part of it, things that you don't find in the film. It's more elaborates on, on, on things greater, um, you know, more in depth, uh, something that you can go to an immediate chapter, show a friend or someone who's an environmentalist. You know, it's just more accessible on, as a book. So it's a great companion to the film. Yeah, and it's really kind of focused towards the you know university student, someone who's looking, who's studying this, uh, environmental studies majors, uh, and again, it has all of the sources. You know, Cowspiracy lists a tremendous amount of stack, stats and statistics, and we have links for those on our website, cowspiracy.com, where you can see every single stat. Well, the book has that plus, you know, even that much more, so you can see all the sources immediately while you're finding out this information, which I think is a, a great educational tool and just lends that much more legitimacy to the statistics that we're you know, publicating. Gotcha. All right. So the book is the sustainably the sustainability secret by Kip Anderson and Keegan Kuhn. Guys, thank you so much for your time. Congratulations on the success of the film so far and uh, look forward to seeing what's next. All right. Thank you so much guys. Thanks thank guys. You. All right. See ya. Cheers. Cheers.